Hey everyone, Ed Helms here. You might know me as Andy from The Office or Stu from The Hangover, or you might know me as the co-founder of BGS. I know, I'm just as surprised as you. They let me co-found something. But here's the thing, we're doing it again. Yeah, this time we're leaping into our other deep love, the vast and vibrant world of country music with something we're calling Good Country. Now this isn't just another newsletter. Think of Good Country as a place. A place where you can explore, learn, and dig into all of what makes country good. Seriously, country music has so much going on these days, and it's coming from so many different deep and soulful places, and we're here to cover all of it. Just as we've done for Bluegrass and Roots Music at BGS for over a decade. So sign up now at goodcountrybgs.substack.com and let us bring you the many sides of country music straight to your inbox. Good country. It's a nice place to be. Hey, it's Cindy Howes from the podcast Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. Check out our very special 250th episode featuring an interview and performance with Basic Folk co-host Lizzie No. I feel like most women I know have an experience where They've been working and working and working to perform and to execute and to please everyone else. And then things sort of fall apart a little bit in some way or another. And partying can actually be a really important step towards getting free because it shows you where you need to fall apart and being on the dance floor, like in community with mm. other women and mm -hmm. in community with queer people. Mm -hmm. Like for me, those experiences have been so important. This time, Lizzie is on the other side of the mic talking about and performing songs from their brand new album, Half Seas. Basic Folk's 250th episode with Lizzie No is streaming now on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. Join us there or wherever you get podcasts. From BGS, you're listening to The Shift List, where chefs talk about the music that fills their kitchens, restaurants, and recipes. I'm Chris Jacobs. Support for The Shift List comes from Nomad. The Santa Barbara, California-based tech accessory company specializes in leather and ruggedly engineered mobile accessories. In fact, new for 2019, Nomad just announced its Natural Collection, a line of beautiful natural leather products like their new Apple watch strap and a rugged case for transporting those white earbuds so you'll never tangle or lose them again. Head on over to hellonomad.com BGS and use code BGS at checkout to receive 15% off any full-priced items through the end of January. hellonomad.com BGS, 15% discount code BGS at checkout. If you're a regular listener, you know that we've headed to London for the entire month of January. More than any other chef that I spoke to in the city, Romeo Scully's first restaurant, Scully, is definitely the most centrally located. Tucked around the corner from the bustling Piccadilly Circus, it's a welcome respite for office workers and theater-goers alike, serving exciting and inventive food that only Chef Scully could make. A veteran of Chef Yotam Otolenghi's venerable Otolenghi and Nopi restaurants, Romeo Scully opened Scully back in March of 2018 with the backing and support of Chef Otolenghi himself, who described Scully as having an insatiable appetite for vibrant colors and irreverent blends of ingredients, which makes sense given that he was born in Malaysia to a mother of Chinese and Indian descent and an Irish-Balinese Malay father. His palate was destined to be filled with mixed influences. Adam moved to Australia as a young child, where he was ultimately raised in a multi-ethnic neighborhood, and you start to get a sense of how Romeo Scully eventually found his culinary voice. 
utilizing a range of ingredients from homemade spices, pickles, preserves, oils, animal fats, dairy, and sprouts, his food can only be described as his own, like the arepa stuffed with eggplant sambal and bergamot labna. It's neither Middle Eastern or Colombian, it's just Scully's. One of the most generous and warm chefs I've had the pleasure of speaking with, Scully and I had a chance to chat before a shift at his restaurant back in August. So hi, my name is Ramal Scully. I have a restaurant named Scully, um, co-owner and exec chef. When I first came to London in 2004, I, I met Yotam Ottolenghi, and I've been with the Ottolenghi group for many years, and um, this is my first project solo, thanks to the big man Yotam, to, um, who backed me up and, and basically believed in my, in my style of food. And what we do in Scully's is basically, I'm very kind of a fusion chef. I know like Ottolenghi will always say, fusion's a bad word, Scully, but you know, this is who I am, basically. Um, um, if you do it right and you do it properly on the plate, it really works out. I like to look at different nationalities and different cuisines in one plate, mix it up, make it interesting, get your flavours and your taste buds going. So, you know, growing up as a kid in Malaysia, you, you know, having, being blessed, having nine aunties and two uncles, when you sit down for a dinner party, you just, um, you don't know where to start because it was just like food from everywhere. Like one auntie would do a great Malay dish and one auntie would do a great Chinese dish. And then mum lived in the, in the UK for, for seven years um, studying to be a nurse. So you get, you get the chance uh, to try a bit of European food she would bring on the table. So we got shepherd's pie, a good roast chicken. So even growing up in Australia, like, you know, it's a very multicultural country. So in a way that I had a lot of Turkish friends, Maltese friends, Italian friends. So going to their parents' house and trying different cuisines, that's why. I start learning, um, you know, like different different flavors. But I only only started noticing after the fourth year, because I did a lot of classical training, that I noticed that you can mix ingredients together, a uh, little bit little bit of chili and 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 jus and soy sauce does can work, you know. But my my French chefs will be like, you can't do that. It's illegal, you know. It's really wrong. But I think if you you know, in many years of you know, I've been cooking for 23 years, so I've been practicing and mastering it. And there's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot to a lot of different combinations, and it just makes it makes the food a little bit interesting. I, I do I do have a respect for chefs who do classical food, but um, that's just my style, and you know, I'm one of the lucky ones to have that. So it's basically a 50 seater restaurant, just under a 50 seater restaurant, and finding a site too that I can actually grow in, in the next eight, 10 years that in the way that I think every chef will understand what I'm trying to say, like you start off your, your first year, but you start, you start filling spaces that I do a lot of fermenting. I make my own koji. So I need an incubator. Um, I do it in, in a way that I have buckets of uh, tomatoes fermenting in soy sauce right now, waiting for the Christmas period. I got buckets of cherries and apricots and plums turning into shrubs for future vinegars or cocktails. So we never know. So that's the whole understanding. Like, I think it was really hard like, to find a site in a way that I can do that. So, and the one thing is, uh, we, we are in central London, in Piccadilly Circus, uh, St. James Market. And one thing about London is so spread out. It's massive. It's huge. I've been living here on and off for 10, what, all up about 15 years now. I still get lost. But that's one of the main reasons we're like trying to find a site that, you know, that I can get people to come everywhere. And I think having central London, especially in the West End theatre, so it's, been, it's, it's worked out so far in the last seven months. And I'm really happy with the team and uh, we're pushing forward. So. Is a lot of the stuff that you're pickling whatnot in the basement where, yeah, where, yeah. where a kitchen would usually yeah, be? Yeah, I'd love to take you down after the interview, mate. Yes, yeah, please. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, great. definitely, you know. And, and I always believe, too, like if you, if you cook really um, 
powerful flavors and rich food. You need a bit of acidity uh, to cut to cut throat, and that's one of the reasons. Like when I when I work for Atalangi, we we you know we have powerful flavors, rich with yogurt, but the acidity really works. So that's why I believe in vinegar. So that's why I you know like I just showed you I got a box of fresh flowers from. Um, from a supply in Devon and um, organic flowers, so I can't wait to play with it today, you know? So, yeah, that's all, it's all about just like, you know, getting what you have now and storing it and using it for later. What's a typical dish that you'd serve here? Well, look, uh, let me start. So I always believe that when you do open your first place or any restaurant, you should have staple dishes, uh, dishes that uh, people always come back and will never forget and you never take it off. If you do, people come and you know, tell you off about it. So I, I have this thing called the repa. Uh, I think few South Americans would know that you have two different versions of the repa. It's made from um, basically a tortilla mix, masa harina. Um, and um, basically, you know, the Venezuelans grill it um, and then the Colombians fry it. So, we, you know, you can't go wrong with fried bread. So we, we took that recipe and um, we pinked up the, the, the koji with the corn and fermented it for two days and then made the dough in the masa and let it sit there for about eight to ten days. Then we, we rebuild it with more moisture after the ten day and then press it to order. And then it, it, fry, it fries in the deep fryer, so it fluffers up. And then I serve it with like, um, I, I, two years ago in Nopi, and when I was working for Ottolenghi, I salted a shitload of bergamots and didn't know what to do with it. And now it's come a bergamot lapne. So he pairs with a bit of bergamot lapne and my mum's eggplant sambal. You know, so it, it, you know, it's very Moorish and it, it feels good when you eat it. And you do like, you cut it in half in like a pita pocket. So like, you know, a simple staple dish, it takes two and a half weeks to get it ready. You've got to give me some respect for that. You know, like even the boys go, you know, it takes a long time, but it's all about time management. Uh, most of my meats are brine for about 10, 10 days to a month. Um, I have an ox tongue dish that we follow, a Thomas Keller recipe that um, bless him for that because he, he brines his ox tongue for four weeks and then he sues me for three days. And you know what? You can't go wrong with that. You know, it, it, if you show the respect for it, and, and, uh, and it's an amazing ox tongue dish. I think it chase anyone's palate who hates the word ox tongue or tongue, you know. But um, this is what I'm trying to say. Most of, the, most of my dishes takes time and process. So, so prepping for a shift, or what do people like to listen to when they're uh, getting, look, before the restaurant so, opens? So my head chef is banned sometimes from using the, the, the music in the, in the restaurant. He's a big heavy metal dude, man. You know, like, I don't know, the stuff that he listens to, I come in, like, things like closest to Pantera and, like, really crazy heavy metal. It's like, he's barred sometimes. But one thing we do get along, we, um, I grew up with a lot of good Aussie rock, you know, like um, uh, UMI, um, Green Spoon, um, Tumbleweed, Screaming Jets, and some of the songs is called Helping Hand, Shivers, uh, The Wedding Ring, The Razor's Edge. And then um, if, you know, I'm feeling kind of mellow day and I want to chill out kind of grunge, I'll be listening to Mad Season, uh, Wake Up. Um, it's one of my favorites. I'll play a couple of times before I get sick of it. And then my chef will be looking at me, can you just stop, can you change the fucking songs? <laughs> uh, but that's how it is, I guess. It's really hard to make everyone be happy what you play for the day. Growing up in Oz, you know, like, um, I grew up in Western suburbs, so I used to surf a lot. Um, and I went through, like, basically my teenage years, and I was a big grunge uh, lover, Pearl Jam, big fan of Eddie Vedder. And, and you know, it's it's always played downstairs. We got a we got a we got a basement downstairs to do our, our mise en place, our preparation. 
So that's that's when we really prominently shows. You can always catch someone singing in the corner when you go downstairs, gonna get caught, you know? Grunge music in the basement while things are fermenting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Feels like, yeah. it feels an appropriate mix. Exactly. So like, this is why I really started off. And then, um, then when, I, when I, left, I left the Western suburbs to start working in the city, I met a couple um, good friends that I keep in touch, um, got me into hip hop a lot, you know? Yeah, in Sydney. So. Then I start listening to a lot of. I, it's from these days too. I still have, I'm a big fan of Tupac and Biggie Smalls and Big Pun and Fat Joe. I listen a bit of R&B, Fabulous, Mace. You're talking about if you ask me what's new music, um, I'm listening to. I think I think her name is called Tash. She's a she's a Melbourne girl from Australia. Tash Sultana. I don't know if you ever heard of her. And the new song's called Jungle. I felt like a chill out mood today. I didn't feel any hate banging kind of music. So I was listening to Tash Tatana. I just wanted something chill out. Um, but I don't know, I'm, I'm downstairs tonight. I probably, I probably put a bit of TLC on. <laughs> you know, a bit of Marvin Gaye. You know, it depends, it really like depends how I feel and if I want to chill out or not. But um, having your own place now, you know, you, you do have to, you, you got to make sure your boys are enjoying the music too, you know, so we all try to chip in and listen what we feel like today. We let everyone put on what they want, you know what I mean? Yeah, what yeah. about the end of the night, like when, when kind of doors That's are closing? That's when we let our head chef pour his crazy fucking heavy metal just to make him happy so I, I can go home early and the other stuff can suffer. <laughs> But it gets him going and he cleans down faster. <laughs> that's, that's the main thing. So he's cleaning down to Pantera? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Chef Ramail Scully. Head to scullyrestaurant.com for reservations if you find yourself heading to London's West End for a show anytime soon. And check out the book that he co-wrote with Chef Yotam Odolenghi, inspired by his time as head chef at Nopi. You can also head over to thebluegrasssituation.com for a link to Scully's shift list, including all the music you heard on this episode and more. If you liked this episode, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places that you get podcasts. The Shift List is produced by me, Chris Jacobs, based on an article by the same name created by Nevin Martell, originally published over at BGS.com. Our executive producer is Amy Reitenauer, with help, as always, from the entire BGS team, including associate editor Justin Hiltner, managing editor Craig Shelburne, marketing guru Joseph Klingel, and all the amazing writers and contributors that make BGS the best source for roots culture redefined. Theme music by Jamie Drake. Check her out at jamiedrakemusic.com. The Shift List is part of the BGS Podcast Network. Be sure to check out BGS's ever-growing collection of podcasts up right now at thebluegrasssituation.com. I'm Chris Jacobs. Thanks for listening.